with, all my coworkers, they were all young kids like me. They were all fresh out of college. And I guess they lowballed me when they gave me a starting salary. I was just happy. I was like a pig in a pen. I was, I was like, this is great. And uh, within six months, they gave me a, a $25,000 raise. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. Link insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. Today, I have Wib Gridley. Do you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself? Sure. My name is Wib Gridley. I am a cybersecurity professional. I've been working in the industry since 1990 and currently living in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, I love what I do. That's amazing. I love it when people love what they do because you can generally hear the passion. So if you could create a blueprint of your success to pass on to someone without a college degree, what would it look like? It definitely the, the main ingredient to my success is the, the willingness to work harder than the people around you. Especially in, this, in the field like cybersecurity, everybody and their brother has a, has a degree. And a lot of people just assume that you, you have one. And the people that do know that you don't have one, they're going to hold you to a higher standard. It's a really annoying, unwritten rule. But they're going to expect more from you because you don't have a degree. Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's funny about cybersecurity. They have all these things and they're always hacked by like some 17 year old without a degree who's like bored. So that's the funny thing. Exactly. That's one of the things that, that, that's a pet peeve of mine that these organizations must have a degree. Some places now are, are must have a master's degree. And then you read the newspaper that a 12 year old hacked them. (laughs) You know, it, you know, it's interesting because they say that's one of the big issues just in anything related to crime. They hire people who come from straight edge backgrounds, but criminals don't think that way. They'll be like, oh, I didn't know they would think that way or I didn't know that they would engineer or I didn't think someone would actually do that. And it's like, hey, you know, you have to take yourself out. You have to be able to think like someone who's not necessarily logical, right? Exactly. Who's who's doing things because People get really freaking creative. Like, I, you know, I saw the Uber hack 
And it was like a kid just brute forcing and hoping that one time he would get the one time code. And then once he get in, their processes and their files weren't set up correctly. And that's usually how it is. Once they get in, then they'll look for sensitive information. And, you know, so that's one thing. Now, for cybersecurity, do you recommend certifications? Like, what do you recommend for people to move up? Because what do people really respect if you don't have a degree? Definitely certifications uh, in cybersecurity, certifications are gold. Uh, you, you want to get, and there's certifications for anything. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting another certification on something. And you can be as generalized or as very laser focused on your certifications as you want. You can you can laser focus in on a very specific vendor and get vendor certifications. You can step back and take, you know, and get certified in just general security best practices and so forth. That's true. I know the the big ones, what is it? Network plus, security plus. And what is it? The CCNA? What are like the three like entry level? Well, the entry level for security is the security plus. As long as I've known about it, that's been the security entry level certification. CCNA, they they have a CCNA security cert. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a entry level. That that okay. one, you, you definitely, you need... You need some time in front of the keyboard before you can sit for that one. The network plus, that's more like security plus. I think I think it's the equivalent of security plus, but it's specifically for network. Uh, okay. No, that's good to know. So what's the salary range for a lot of these cybersecurity positions that you've seen? For analysts, there there's different types of positions. You you can be very technical and love diving into the guts of computers and applications, and you can be an engineer. Engineers can make anywhere from, you know, from a junior engineer starting at 60,000. And they have senior engineer positions that are, are, they're going at like 185, 195 a year. Then you have analyst positions. Analyst positions are, less nuts and bolts and more let's look at the behavior of what we're seeing the traffic you know what does the traffic look like let's analyze the traffic let's analyze the data things like that there's a lot more folks that are going around trying to be analysts because it's easier yeah. it's really, you don't have to be nearly as technical those salaries go a little bit lower you can probably start at about 45, 40 to 45,000 with no experience whatsoever. I'm typically an analyst. I'm typically a security analyst, although I love digging into the nuts and bolts. But um, security analysts topping out until you're going into like management, but security analysts top out about 160. Okay. And that's an experienced security analyst. Yes, that is a very experienced security analyst that deals well with customers and can help the salespeople out with getting new customers. Yeah, that, yeah. That, lots of experience at, at that end. Were you ever asked about not having a degree in a job interview? Yes. Uh, many people, especially in recent years, when they look at my resume and they hear about my background, they just assume that I've been to school. 
And especially when they see that I've, I've worked at places like Tufts University and I've published uh, papers, you know, formal papers at Syracuse University School of Law. They just assume that. So they ask, what, where did you go to school? Norristown High. No, no, no. College. I didn't go to college. What? what? And as a matter of fact, I didn't finish Norristown High. I am actually a 10th grade dropout. I, I dropped out as soon as I turned 16, got my GED and joined the, joined the Navy. I've seen some people do that where they've taken community college credits. Like I knew someone, she did like the accelerated program to like take community college credits so that when she went to the Air Force, she could get certain ranks because she would come in with certain credits and all that. So now let's take it back. Let's go back to the 10th grade. So you obviously had a plan. Let's go into that plan. How was high school like for you? And what did you want to become in high school? Oh, high school was horrible. I grew up in Norristown, Pennsylvania. Norristown is the armpit of Philadelphia. <laughs> and and they, they had two curriculum paths. You could be like this Einstein type person where all your courses were advanced placement and you were getting college credits for the high school courses you were taking. I wasn't that smart. Then the other curriculum path that they had was learning how to color inside the lines. And I was too smart for that. They didn't have an in-between. The people in between were kind of forgotten. Unfortunately, all my buddies were at the time stealing cars and getting into trouble. And I, I saw what was happening. And, and it was either my life is going to be a, a car wreck or I'm going to die. So I, I, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here fast. So I dropped out as soon as I could. And I took the ASVAB exam for the military. And I scored like ridiculous high, ridiculously high. I was 16 years old and they still wanted me to join right away. They were, they were salivating over me. Uh, so I became a cryptologist in the Navy. I had to sign a waiver and, you know, going into the military, everything is waiver. You know, if you're too overweight to, to qualify, well, you sign a waiver that says, I promise that I will lose such and such amount of weight and, you know, to qualify within six months. And then they let you in and you have to start working on losing that weight. I had to sign a waiver that promised that in six months I would be 17 years old. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, that's a funny waiver. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard not to, you know, it's kind of hard to break that waiver since my birthday, my 17th birthday was going to be in four months. So, you know, <laughs> but I had... I had to sign the waiver. My parents had to sign the waiver and there's tear stains on my parent permission slip because my mom and, you know, all that stuff, you know, so I joined the Navy and that's where my love of, of security came from. Being a cryptologist, you're not in cybersecurity, you're in information security. Cybersecurity supports information security because the, the, the true crown jewels that you're trying to protect if you're in cybersecurity, what you're trying to protect is the data you don't really care about that 
$1,500 computer. Yeah. It's the data that's flowing through it. So it's information security and it's cybersecurity that helps support information security. Well, at 16 years old, I got it hammered into my head all the rules of cybersecurity because I was handling, you know, I had a top secrets SCI clearance at 16 years old. Well, wow. a provisional one because they were still doing the background check, but you know, I'm, I'm sitting there I'm I'm a cryptologist handling national security information. And that's when I fell in love with information. Security. Now let's go back. How'd your parents take it? Were they supportive of your decision to do what you did? My father wasn't in the picture. He had split long, long before that. And my mom was a single parent bringing up two kids, working three, sometimes four jobs simultaneously. And so I think she understood that what I was doing was was the right choice. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like you actually had a plan. You knew your situation and you knew how to make things better. So you got in. Were you the youngest one in your group? Oh, yeah. I, I was right up until just about bef- just before I outprocessed. I only spent four years in the Navy, but throughout the entire time in the Navy, except just just before I outprocessed, another 17 year old came. So he was younger than me. Okay. And it was the first time that I didn't have to cut the cake at, at the Navy Day ball because they, they take the youngest and the oldest. And they have to hold the sword and cut the cake for the Navy birthday. For three years, I had to cut the cake. <laughs> so how was it being the youngest? Like, And, you know, you have people anywhere from 18 to whatever age. How was it being? Four. At, at, at the time, yeah. 34 was the, I think that was the cutoff. When, I mean, we're talking 1986. Yeah. In 1986, the cutoff, the oldest you could be to still join was 34 years old. It was kind of rough. Like in boot camp, they have these things, these ranks. You're still a recruit. You're still a nobody. You're an E0. But they give you uh, these, (sighs) their ranks. And they, of course, made me uh, recruit lead petty officer which meant I was in charge of 80 guys. And these guys ran the gamut from 19 to 34 years old. They didn't have to listen to me. I had to tell them what to do. And that was usually the problem is I would tell them what to do. And they're like, screw off, kid, do it yourself. (laughs) That lasted, I think, I think they, they, they forced me to, to be LCPO for about, two weeks, maybe three weeks. And then they finally said, this ain't working. You're, I was doing push-ups every day. So many push-ups. They, the, my nickname in boot camp was push-ups. Uh, because at, anytime something was unsat, it was my fault. And it was my fault because nobody would do what I asked them to do or told them. To. And a lot of them, they would not do stuff that they would ordinarily have done normally, but they wanted to see the the kid get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you did it for four years. Now, what experience did you gain over the course of those four years? Most of what I learned as a cryptologist is not marketable. That nobody uses Morse code anywhere, except for 
uh, you know, a couple of fringe groups uh, that I have a couple of co- connections on LinkedIn that that will curse me because they're big ham radio operators. But nobody uses ham radio. At some point when the zombie apocalypse hits, ham is, you know, Morse code's going to be a lifesaver for somebody. But right now, nobody's paying for it. So the skills that I picked up officially in the Navy were document handling and, you know, understanding classifications and, and the different concepts for information security. And then uh, dovetailed with this at the same time, I went to the base exchange and I bought a Commodore 64. And it was my friend, you know, growing up with a single mom, I never had a console game. I never, I didn't have Nintendos or anything. We, we had Pong way back in the day, but it was a hand-me-down. It was somebody, you know, they, they had moved on to Nintendo. So here, here, here's our old Pong game. So, you know, we had that. So I, I bought brand new a Commodore 64 and I fell in love with it. I le- I started learning how to code basic. I was, I was coding my own little stupid programs. You know, I started with the hello world and stuff and uh, it was kind of cool. But then I got into games, video games and just fell in love with computers. And when I got out of the, out of the Navy, the PC was, starting to catch on. It was 1990, uh, April of 1990 when I got out and PCs were just starting to pick up. And if you didn't know anything about computers, you didn't really know, know about computers, but people that were into computers knew it was going to be big. That's what I want to do. I want to combine what I learned about security with my love of computers. And I just, just ran yeah, I love it. So what was the first position that you got out when you got outside the Navy? <laughs> My first position was an AS-400 operator, a, a third shift AS-400 operator working for, um, you might read, you know Tomb Raider, right? You know no. the movies? And, oh, Tomb Raider, and, Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That began as a video game. Yeah, I remember. Well, I worked, I worked for the company. It, it was actually an educational software company that put out Tomb Raider. Okay. Believe it or not, it, it was a company called The Learning Company up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I applied for a position. It had been open for six months. And I remember reading about it in the newspaper. I'm like, this position is in here every day, every day. I am not qualified. I, I don't even know what an AS400 is. But I know what third shift is, and that sucks. So I con- I reached out. I con- I contacted the the hiring manager because back in those days, the, the actual hiring manager's name and number were in the classified ads. I reached out to him and I said, "Hey, I don't know what an AS four hundred is, but if you teach me, I'll I'll do this job. It sounds pretty easy. And here's what I know about computers already." And he he, he took a chance. He took he gave me the shot. He, Brought me on board. I spent like two weeks during the first two weeks doing orientation and learning about the AS400 and basically learning how to do my job when I'm by myself on third shift. And then after two weeks, they shipped me off to the mid shift and I worked there for about two years. 
AS400s are very boring. They're mainframe computers, or they, they're kind of referred to as mini frames. They never have problems. They never have issues. But they're not personal computers. They're by no means a, a PC. It's like AS400s are still used today in big data crunching uh, jobs. Or, uh, for example, like I know Tufts University, they use something similar to an AS400 to maintain all their transcripts so that like you as a potential employer, if you want to verify somebody has a degree at Tufts University, you call them up, they can do a quick query and it hits the AS400 and and spits back. Yes, this person graduated in this year and he had this grade point average. Mm, Interesting. So you had that job for two years, you know, you obviously gained some skills. What was the next job that you had? My next job was working for Burns, Berenick, and Newman. They're the ones that invented the packet switch. So they're, they're responsible for creating the switch that your computer is able to talk to other computers with. At the time, they had a little offshoot called BBN Planet that it was an ISP. And it was the first nationwide internet service provider. As part of BBM Planet, the ISP, they also had this fledgling MSP, which is a managed security provider. And what we did was we we monitor, managed and monitored a bunch of different companies' firewalls. Back then, not everybody had a firewall. Yeah. And what it, you know, what, that wasn't necessarily a thing back then. Only, only some forward-thinking companies had firewalls back then. We're talking 92, 93. Hardly anybody had a firewall back then. Uh, it wasn't until Dancing Baby that people started oh. <laughs> realizing that they needed a firewall. <laughs> how are you moving up at these jobs? Like, how are you learning? Because were degrees common back then in the 90s for these types of jobs? Not really. You. You had people, now you got to remember, computers, computer security degrees did not exist 10 years ago. Yeah. So most of the people that were coming out with degrees, they were computer science degrees, or it was just, you know, basket weaving degree. And most of the time, uh, employers, they, they didn't care. Yeah, we'd like to have somebody with a degree. We definitely need somebody with a degree if you if you want to be management. But for this position, we would like a degree, but we just need you to be able to do the do the job. And that's how I kept make working my way up. At BBN, as a matter of fact, there was an issue because I was brought in. I had no no degree. Everybody that I worked with, all my coworkers, they were all young kids like me. They were all fresh out of college. And I guess they lowballed me when they gave me a starting salary. I was just happy. I was like a pig in a pen. I was, I was like, this is great. Uh, working in security, real security. And uh, within six months, they gave me a, a $25,000 raise per wow, year. Wow. And this is in the mid 90s. So that's like, oh yeah. my God. And they gave me a shift. It wasn't shift supervisor. It was like shift lead. Yeah. And oh my God, my coworkers pitched a fit because 
we, you know, we all talk. We and they, they all knew that I didn't have a degree. So they're looking at me like I'm Mr. Dummy. But I'm, I'm working circles around them. I was coming up with new ways to analyze the the syslogs that were coming in because I mean back then we didn't have, uh, you know, there was no such thing as a sim. Even log aggregators, there, there wasn't really a log aggregation device. We were looking at just massive amounts of of uh, syslogs all the time, and I started coming up with ways to identify like port scans and show, showing people, okay, here's what this guy is looking for because we can see him across multiple sites and he's looking for this. And, you know, I, I write it up, I document it and then I, you know, write a paper and then publish it out to the rest of the different shifts because it was 24 by seven uh, shop. And they were seeing what I was doing and they they gave me super uh, not a, it wasn't a supervisor position it was it was just the next step up you you were the shot caller on that shift if if there was a decision to be made during that shift you were the one that made the decision how long did you have that uh, position for when you uh, were as a lead well that position I worked that until ninety eight okay and, and then I got. Uh, I started getting the networking bug, mainly because at the time, Lan Wan was doing gangbusters. And I was getting pressured by my ex-wife, who is a tech recruiter. And she's over there placing people with basically the same skill set as I had to positions, Lan Wan positions, that were $50,000 more than my position. Wow. Yeah, it, it was crazy. The land land positions that we, you know, if you had a, if you had a CCIE, you were making two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars a year. Easy. And this is this is like in the two thousands, man. That would be like half this a million now. Pre, this is pre two thousand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like ninety six, ninety seven. So I went and I got my CCNA and passed that. I studied. I studied for it. Didn't take a class for it or anything. I just studied and, and took it. And once I got my CCNA and BBN found out about it, they're like, no, you're too valuable in that group. We need you in the network and uh, network analysis group, the NA group. But I, I like security. So don't worry. We have so many security tickets in the NHQ that nobody likes. You can have them all. So I was a network analyst. But everything that was security related got sent over to me. <laughs> so I was still doing security, which I like. So another, uh, so like Smurf attacks on IRC, I would be the one to backtrace the origins of the Smurf attack and, and uh, deal with other tier one providers to be able to have them backtrace the packets and then demand letters to take to take that person down or to get get their info so that we could provide it to the to the police and so forth it was, it was kind of cool yeah so how long did you have that position i was in that position for y2k yeah because i i had the champagne glasses from that <laughs> but then wow. shortly after y2k i i i moved into consulting so how was and it being in the consulting space Back then, it was the Wild West. 
you were never fully prepared for any of the engagements that you were going into. You had usually about two to three weeks of time scoped for you to do the engagement. And there was never an engagement that you were going into where you were familiar with the technology. You had to learn really quick. There was a recent post I made on LinkedIn uh, about when, when you're in an interview, being able to understand the environment. I said, I don't, that doesn't concern me much because I've always been thrown into the fire. And I gave one specific instance where I was being sent to a client that was token rent. And they said, do you know anything about token rent? Before we send you here, do you know anything about token rent? And I said, well, isn't that the thing that Frodo dropped into Mount Doom? And they they said, close enough. You're the expert. (laughs) And sent me. I had three weeks to figure out the problem, solve it, document it. And all the while they were, they were charging, they were billing for me like $250 an hour. Yeah. I mean, that's the consulting world. Of course, I wasn't seeing anything near that, but they, they were charging the customer $250 for me to be there to learn. (laughs) So, you know, I don't want to go into every little nitty gritty detail of your career, but what was the general trend? Like you just kept on moving up, moving around different spaces, challenging things. Yeah. You, you asked me before the, the, the blueprint of my success and, and it's always been to, to go the extra effort to, to show the attention to detail, to document things, not document your, the behaviors of the coworkers, but document how are you doing your job? How, how is this performed the best? Well, let's put that on paper and socialize it so that everybody can do it. Uh, come up with a better process than what we're doing. Just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean it isn't incredibly stupid. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, but hey, let's let's round some of those corners a little bit and make the wheel faster. I'm telling you, people identify that, they recognize it, and they appreciate it. And you will go far if you're constantly, if you work with a questioning attitude. If you look at something and, and and say, what, what could make that better? And come up with ideas. Don't just go to your manager with a problem. If you have a problem that you need to go to your manager with, before you go to him, come up with a solution or two that he can choose from. Who knows? He might choose one. It's things like that that I believe that I, I give a lot of credit to for the distance I've been able to achieve with having no, no degree. How has the industry changed over time? Well, since the cybersecurity degrees have hit the market and since boot camps for like CISSP have just saturated the market, a lot of places now, they won't even look at your resume unless you have both a CISSP and a four-year degree. Even if they say, or equivalent experience, I can tell you with my 30 years experience, they are lying because when you click the apply and you go to their form, education is required form or required field. And it doesn't give you a, you know, anything of, well, I have 30 years experience. I don't, according to you, I don't need a degree. They don't have any of that. They have yes, no. 
with a little red asterisk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hand to God, no lie. You hit submit, and your email dings from that company with an email that says, after careful consideration of your qualifications, we have determined that you do not meet our minimum requirements or we've decided to move on with more qualified as you are hitting the submit button before you even get a success page, you're getting a denial email. Yeah, so. no, it, it's brutal out here. Um, that's why it's important to work on your resume and, you know, really know the game and network and, you know, really highlight your accomplishment because it's, it's tough um, and you need to get in front of someone so that they could see that you have the 30 years experience. Now, looking back on your career, what was the biggest mistake you made? Probably chasing tech. I mentioned before, I love getting into the nuts and bolts. Maybe even two decades ago, I had an opportunity to, to move into management. I didn't take it. It was going to be the same amount of pay. Was, there, there wasn't a bump in pay. It was just different responsibilities. And at the time, and still today, I, I, I love rolling up my sleeves and getting elbow deep into a technical issue. So that's what I, ch- I chase the tech. I'm trying to get management positions now, now that I'm an older gentleman and have pearls of wisdom to provide to subordinates and and provide guidance and so forth, it probably would make sense for me to have a management position for for folks to work under. And, uh, well, you don't have enough management experience. Now, if I had taken that management position way back when, I would, you know, it'd be a no-brainer. I'd have plenty of management experience now. Now, what would you say you're most proud of? Like, what's your biggest accomplishment? Well, in the short times that I have been uh, in a uh, position of authority, I have really propelled some careers. One place that I worked, I was the, the chief SOC analyst. So I, it was basically, we had a SOC manager, but he didn't do any of the duties that a SOC manager typically does. So we still needed a SOC manager. They couldn't call me a SOC manager because we already had one, but he was more sales. So they, they uh, renamed my title chief SOC analyst. So basically I was, I was the SOC manager and through my guidance and role modeling and, and instruction, there's a, a bunch of people right now in the San Antonio area that have director titles, that have vice president titles that used to work for. That's my biggest sense of accomplishment is getting those people further than what I got. That just really shows that you know, you're really there to just uplift careers and that you are a guide. And that shows you are a manager, right? That, you know, you've propelled them and you, you know, got them to where they are. Now, this is going to be a little different. If you saw your 18-year-old self or 16-year-old self walking across the street today and today in 2023, what would you tell them? Hang in there. It it definitely gets better. You're trying your damnedest and... You know, nothing breaks your way, but it eventually something something will break your way. The, the 
the more you persist, the more something is eventually going to break your way. Yeah, no, I mean, I love that attitude. What would you advise younger people who don't plan on going to college and who are interested in cybersecurity? How would you advise them to break in or get their foot in the door? Take up a personal project uh, throughout my career. Anytime I wanted to learn something, I, I can't learn sitting in a classroom. I have to have hands on and actually do something and not some silly lab. I've got to actually do something that's, that's real world. Yeah. I mean, look, the best way to learn is by doing because you can have the theoretical knowledge, but at the end of the day, you have to apply it and you run into issues and there are things you didn't consider that you're just going to have to figure out. And obviously experience is the best teacher. Now you're in a very different stage of your career. So what are your future goals? I'm at this weird stage in my career where I still see myself as a technical young buck, you know, somebody that still wants to get into the technology of, of things. But I, I understand that cybersecurity is moving at a huge clip. And not only cybersecurity itself, but also the people that are managing the gates to cybersecurity. You know, they're, they're changing the game. So I can't exactly go in someplace and say, I'm Mr. Technical with no degree and no active certifications and so forth. But trust me, I, I have all this experience. I'm probably at a point where, yeah, I should, I should probably go, you know, those, those who can do and those who can't teach, I, sh- I should start thinking about teaching. Just not so much because I can't do the te- technical parts because uh, I, I love the technical parts and I can do them. It's just that it's hard to get people to trust you enough. I got too much gray in my beard. They, oh, you're an old man. Okay, boomer. Sure, you know what you're doing. I understand that. It's hard. It's hard to look at me uh, with my cowboy boots and and my my hat and and, and realize that yeah. I can reconfigure your network so that it's secure. I can get you to a zero trust architecture. Uh, I get the I get the impression that when people look at me and I and I tell them what I what I'm able to do, it's uh, disbelief. <laughs> so coming up with a goal is probably one of my main goals that I should come up come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that that's cool. So how would people support you and, you know, follow you? How would people reach out? Link up with me on LinkedIn or connect with me on LinkedIn. Most of the stuff that I'm putting out on LinkedIn is comments and posts. I, I don't really come out with a lot of my own stuff, uh, but I, I, I love the back and forth and the comments of, of some, somebody else's post. You know, like your post, I, I've commented several times yeah. on you your original post, or if you're commenting on a post, I'll comment to your comment. Yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate the support and all that. So, I mean, look, I wish you the best. Um, feel free to reach out if I could help you in your journey in any shape or form. More than happy. Um, always love helping the No Degree crew. Um, is there something you want to share that you haven't shared already? My biggest message that I want people to understand is you don't need a degree. You don't even have to be a security person to do cybersecurity. Yeah. You might need to be a security person to have a cybersecurity job title, 
But HR people are cybersecurity people because they're the very first front line. They're the ones that either hire or don't hire questionable people that would go in and become disgruntled employees. Everybody is in charge of cybersecurity and not all these people need degrees. And it's, it, you know, it falls right back on the main people responsible for cybersecurity. They too don't need degrees. All they need is to understand the concepts of cybersecurity and have a passion for the industry and have a passion for the job. Yeah, no, thank you for that. I really appreciate you sharing this message and sharing your story. We'll keep in touch. I'm excited for what the future holds for you. I appreciate you for doing this. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.